Hello and welcome to IMI's Talking Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Hugh, and today I'm joined by Chris Sergio. I first came across uh, Chris at a Higher Ambition Conference in IMI back in 2019. And um, it was, I think, one of the final sessions of the day. It was about purpose and it was a short interview with uh, the host, Tobias. Chris got up and started talking. I was at the back taking notes and very quickly I stopped taking notes and listened more and more and more. It was one of the first stories that I'd heard about purpose where I, I heard about the process behind it and the hard work behind it. Um, the story had come from Chris's time as CEO of North American Breweries, um, one of the top 10 in the US. And it was all about a cultural transformation project that he brought through. And really purpose was one of the, the tangible assets that he had and used to leverage that change. Um, Chris has vast FMCG experience, particularly in the food and drinks industry. And I just found out today for people that are watching uh, Michael Jordan's The Last Dance might be interested. He was also 1986 NCAA Division One champion uh, for basketball, which I was particularly impressed with, Chris. Um, so welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Hugh. Yeah, it was um, uh, soccer was my sport. Uh, basketball would have been good. I was a little short, but you're right. I was a 1986 national champion for soccer. Oh, so it was Duke's University soccer. Yeah, that's the trivia question. If you ask, <laughs> if you're a fan of U.S. sports and uh, college sports, if you know Duke for basketball, the uh, the trivia's question: What's the school's first NCAA championship team? And that's the, that's the bit of the gag: is it that it was not basketball, it was soccer? And uh, you're right, though. The '86 team in basketball lost in the finals, and so thankfully for their loss, we had a chance to win. Because <laughs> I I I I. I, I totally uh, associate Duke with basketball, you know, it was yeah, exactly. sitting there and all that was last year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I wish I'm six feet, but uh, basketball would have given me a few extra inches. So I'll, I'll take what you give me. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's what so surprised me. I, I think I was your height. When <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have been surprised too. <laughs> um, so let's jump straight in. We're, we're talking today about purpose. Um, yep. And let's get let's get a baseline. Um, what's your theory around purpose in business? You know, I think they go hand in hand, uh, and more and more so these these days. Purpose is really part of an overall business model that really drives performance and culture. And with those two things, if you can get highly engaged employees, you're going to attract more talent, and the virtuous circle moves forward. Uh, certainly, you can be successful without purpose, but more and more these days, it is clear that companies that have a clear, inspiring purpose are outperforming their peers. Mm. I mentioned in the opening about uh, your story from your time as CEO at North American Breweries. Can you just bring us through that, bring the listeners through that? Yeah, it was fascinating. I, um, I was the first executive in. Uh, it was a private equity play that put together a platform into the drinks business in the U.S. and beverage alcohol. Uh, they put together um, categories and businesses from all over the, the beverage alcohol beer, mostly beer, not wine or spirits. And I think what's interesting about that is that um, when you bring together companies and you're not sure from a private equity standpoint, are you going to sell one piece or are you going to sell the entire entity? Mm. Not, o- not only do the employees kind of wonder what's going on, but so do the customers and the partners. And the uh, private equity firm was very transparent. They did a great job of clearly stating that they were building something to sell. Mm-hmm. But, but that doesn't make it easier for the employees to not stop thinking about who's going to purchase us and what's going to happen next. Of and so when I came in, um, 
there's really a period of waiting. You know, who's the new leader? What's the new company trying to do? Uh, what does it mean for us as individuals and people? And, um, you know, why should we go down that path? Why should we go down this journey that this new company is trying to take us through? What I can say is that um, if people don't understand the why of why they're being put together, why they're going down the path, they're going to wait mm. or, or they're not going to be willing to move from what they currently exist in their current business and think things are fine. Why should they do something different? And so purpose really gave us an opportunity to build something that motivated, inspired people to uh, participate in something bigger than where they were. And when you combine purpose with a truly tangible growth strategy that they participate in, um, you get movement. And then when you put that together with values, purpose, values, growth strategy, now you start to really capture people's minds and imagination that they can actually make a difference and grow and grow in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened over time. And talk us through that communication um, from the board level right down to the, the frontline staff. Um, do you have to define the message at board level or do you actually have to deliver a defined message to the board, if that makes sense, and then disseminate that throughout the group? You know, all of the above. Um, I think the question is the sequencing. And so when I joined, the real challenge was um, get a hold of the business, make sure you understand all the needs from the employees and the partners and the customers. Um, and then you really got to think through what is the growth strategy? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to play? Where are you going to invest your resources, dollars and people and time? And then, um, you know, it starts at the board level and the, and the senior executive team. You, you have to be able to clearly articulate what does that next level look like. Mm. And before you can really run down through the, the ranks of the organization, you really do need to get alignment with the senior leaders and the board to make sure that the path you're headed uh, makes sense. Um, and then really, you know, there, there's purpose and growth strategies are connected, but they do have different processes like you mm. alluded to. And and then beyond that, so once you have sort of defined that strategy and, and actually let's, what are uh, that purpose? What was the purpose that you came up with at North American Breweries? Um, yeah, it's it was, we bring a better way of living to the world. So we bring a better way of living to the world. And what's interesting about that is that North American Breweries was was purchased by FIFCO, Florida Ice and Farm Company, yeah. a 115-year-old publicly traded company in Central America, one of the largest beverage companies in uh, Central America in that region. Um, and they, they had a tremendous operating model, triple bottom line, really focusing on people, planet, and profit, and measuring all of those at the same time in their business operations strategy but they didn't have an articulated purpose. And so the first job uh, with this challenge was that you had a regional company that was purchasing a business in a new part of the world, uh, managing it as a separate entity with a separate name, mm. but realizing very quickly that the synergies and how you operate, how you purchase, how you grow, how you market, how you innovate, would be far better served if you connected the two companies in the way that they work together. And so the very first thing that we did was we realized that um, 
you need a purpose that connects and bridges between Central America and the North American business. And that once you get people lined up around what is our connected purpose, then you become one company. Mm. And so my, literally within my first hundred days, uh, my boss at the time, Ramon Mendiola Sanchez, uh, was a, you know, just a really charismatic, inspirational leader. But he recognized when I, when I brought to him that we needed to develop our purpose. And he flew with it. You know, he knew exactly where I was headed. Uh, he bought into it. He assembled a tremendous uh, small group of leaders across all areas of the company, my side in North America, his side in Central America. And we, within 100 days, launched this new purpose of the company that was completely connected to people, planet, and profit. And so they, they didn't conflict. They just made the story stronger. And then they opened up a tremendous amount of inspiration and innovation spirit because now people understood that they could bring the social side, the environmental side, and embed it within the operations and that we could actually grow profit sustainably mm. by connecting these things, that they were all um, in parallel and not separate. I want to actually, I, I'm going to dive into sort of discovering your own purpose later and yeah. the process behind that. You mentioned there a lot of interconnected uh, pieces and parts. Can you just talk about things um, beyond the internal structure of a, a company to consider when you are talking about your purpose, like supply chain transformation, integration? Is there How does the purpose roll out there in those sort of areas, particularly in that experience that you had? Yeah, it's, it's layered because the... Um you have the purpose that sits at the top with the values of a company, and then you have to have an operations strategy that connects all of this. Without the operations strategy, it doesn't work. You don't get the internal engagement of the employees, and you certainly can't attract the talent. But very specifically, the way that that all connects together, um, and this is, you know, FIFCO brought this to the table, was the triple bottom line scorecard. And so um, you have a bucket of financial metrics, a bucket of social metrics and environmental metrics. And you have to keep it very simple. <clears throat> um, you don't want to have dozens and dozens of metrics at the very high level, but you do want everybody from the CEO to the security guard uh, or the chef or whomever to be able to articulate what those goals are and how they contribute. So the supply chain transformation really fit into our environmental uh, challenges around water, waste, energy, and carbon footprint. And those had significant synergistic effects on costs and purchasing and operations. So that tied directly to our bottom line in profit. So, go so that's interesting. So essentially, just by considering these different factors beyond what you'd normally consider, you actually measure things in such a way that you can then create cost savings or create new innovations. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, and I think the magic is that, um, you know, if you don't operate the purpose, it just sits there as an interesting statement and then nothing happens with it. And, you know, purpose, it takes years to embed. Uh, it's not something that you can just quickly roll out and think that you've done it. You know, you actually have to, you start with your purpose and your values because that's the foundation of the, the heart of the company. But then you've got to really build up to, you know, what is the North Star of the company? What are you trying to achieve? How do you then turn that and translate that into an operation strategy for every business, every sector, every sector, every unit? And then that leads into innovation. And all of these things are connected. And to do it well, 
it takes years. Uh, you can't just quickly rush through it. It's one of the things I just wrote down in my, um, it's, this is so much beyond a mission statement, but a, a purpose, it can be seen as that uh, by a lot of people at the moment. Yeah I, yeah, I think a mission statement describes what the business does, and it often has elements of the purpose in it. Mm-hmm. But I think the purpose statement is really supposed to be, you know, less than 10 words. Um, it really clearly defines the inspiration. It's timeless. It, it, it connects all of the company. A mission statement really just defines what the business does. Mm-hmm. But the purpose opens up continuous opportunity indoors. It, it is timeless and never ending. So how does purpose or how do you align the purpose with your strategy you were talking about operation strategy triple bottom line scorecard how do you do this in practice what's the what are the things you should be thinking of yeah let me let me give you a tangible um uh case study so to speak from a, another company that i worked with uh, that i think will answer your question a little bit more specifically so I also worked at a company called Syngenta, which was the world's largest agribusiness, uh, put together in the early 2000s with a uh, spinoff between Novartis and AstraZeneca. And that the purpose of that company in the start was better food for better life. And through a very similar process to the one that I led at North American Breweries, a new purpose was created, which was bringing plant potential to life. Right. So better food, a better life, a better world to bringing plant potential to life. So the company over a series of years went from being a company really fundamentally about chemicals Mm. and seed technology to really focusing on plants, understanding the language and the potential and the DNA of plants, and then looking across its entire portfolio of business and technology and innovation and then saying, how can we bring the potential of plants to life to bear? And what happened was, as soon as you opened up the purpose that we're, a, we're really about plants and plant potential, you, you took the shackles off of a lot of decades of blinders where people said, you know, if it's not about chemicals, we shouldn't be doing it. If it's not about um, seed technology, we shouldn't be doing it. And my, my business unit that I led globally looked at the entire portfolio and technology, and we actually reconfigured the company to create uh, a lawn and garden company, both for professional and consumer customers. So we took technology from agriculture and aimed it at different ways for consumer lawn and garden use and professional uh, flower growing use. And we had a competitive advantage, but it was it took the purpose to give people strategic license to reassemble the amazing capabilities of the company to then point it in a new way to generate new revenue and higher margin and to connect the company. It just shifts all those millions of little decisions that happen all the time in a company. Yeah, I mean, it really struggles. You know, if I flip back to North American breweries, um, we bring a better way of living to the world for that company. Um, Our parent company was a beverage company. They had they participated in every beverage category, um, non-alcoholic, alcoholic beverages, everything, wine, spirits, uh, through their model in Central America. And this new way of thinking for us really showed us that we could be a beverage company at North American Breweries, not just a beer company. 
uh, we knew that it was going to take us tremendous amount of time to build our strategies. That was not a leap that we were going to take within a year, maybe not even 10 years. Yeah. But our, but our parent company has the uh, technology, the innovation, the experience in a much broader play of categories. And then because they take seriously their responsibility to the social stakeholders, they also looked at packaging innovation, how to reduce plastic uh, impact on the environment. How do you how do you turn that plastic reduction into savings on your bottom line, but also to better the environment for the quality of life in Costa Rica? Mm. And those those learnings become transferable over to our other business unit over time. Um, again, it doesn't it's all built inside out and it takes time. You can't rush it. Mm. Um but it opens up new growth opportunities and new partnerships. Um, one little thing I, I seem to remember uh, was one of the things you did was, again, communication, but it was communicating to those identifying high impact people. And one of those uh, groups of people you identified was the bar staff. Can you just talk through that and, and your strategy there, I suppose? Yeah, there, there is a logical you know, kind of a sequential cascading. Once once you're clear on the purpose, then you, every company or culture is different. You, you almost have to identify which pieces of the puzzle do they need to take on next. Mm. And as you start to kind of introduce the purpose and the values throughout the company, depending on the size of your company, that could go very quickly or that could take a year. Mm. Uh, Syngenta, we were a 30,000 people company, and that took at least a year to get that through to all levels in a, in a proper way that they could experience it versus being told that, yeah. which is important. Uh, it went faster at North American Breweries. We were a smaller company. And as part of engaging the staff, um, the first thing, you know, the litmus test is, is leadership serious? <laughs> <laughs> you know, are they, are they really going to be doing this? Are they... Um, out on their own, what are they thinking? And when you when you get people to believe authentically that you're going down this path, they feel empowered that they can take on um, new opportunities. And we we did something very interesting, which was we we created stories uh, through our values, and we had a ceremony where we would have purpose and values awards every year, mm. and employees from any level of the company. Um, could submit their stories about how they were bringing the values and the purpose to life. And one of the bar staff um, I was super uh, inspired by realized that there was a lot of wasted food in our uh, brew pubs and mm. that um, he could actually find a way to bring local companies who would collect the food, process the food, and then distribute the food. And because of the legislation in that state, they were able to get a tax advantage by donating the food. So our bottom line was improved. But more importantly, we were doing the right thing for homeless populations and shelters in that community. And he did this all on his own. And so his and story- He becomes more engaged. He becomes a, yeah. a better employee, essentially. Well, he got invited to our annual awards. He won an award. Uh, he was recognized you know, amongst thousands of employees for taking an initiative that was completely in line with our values. He did it on his own and he made a huge impact and opened up, you know, the big benefit is when people see that you're seriously doing these things, they want to work with your company mm. and it opens up new opportunities for your company, for your employees and for 
partners to join and it's just a win-win it's we you know we call it shared value which is really how do you think with a win-win mindset so that you can help others to grow and you can grow uh, and all boats rise and you talked there about a purpose and awards for general employees um throughout the organization did you do the same for leadership did the did leadership share the stories where they had actually made a decision based on the purpose or you know anything like that yeah, they they um, they did that constantly in all the meetings. They weren't eligible. Senior leadership weren't eligible to oh, win. Oh, I'm not saying about rewards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they um, but they constantly were showing how they were taking decisions and thinking about this and uh, making sure that they were acting consistently. Perfect. Um, I hope you got a, across a little bit about that journey. What were the results? Um, and, and maybe beyond that, what were the results of a leader a leader might expect to see if they took a similar journey themselves? Yeah, these, you know, the time frame is important. Um, in all the companies that I've worked, I've been really fortunate to, to go down this journey of introducing purpose or values um, and then going down through all of the operations and innovation and uh, corporate brand and company brand relaunches or, or refreshing, if you will. That takes three to five years. You know, you might be able to do it faster in a smaller startup company because I think that what we're talking about applies for a startup as it does to a major multinational. But what I can say consistently is, if you see it through, um, you know, sometimes you got to go faster or take a, you know, maybe a slight pause because of crisis or, or you know certain situations. But if you stick the course, every company I've worked in has seen significant performance increases. Uh, increases in employee engagement, um, and they have made a big difference on the environmental side of the equation, and they outperform their peers. And that's the the hardest part. Is really continuity. You know, CEOs change rap more and more rapidly. Senior leadership, and the champion has to be the CEO. Um, and you need continuity to be able to really roll out and and consciously, intentionally embed those. Um, new thinking into the organization. Otherwise, worst case is you, you try it for a year, you get caught up in short-term issues, you find an excuse not to stick it out, and then the employees get very confused and you know question the credibility, and then you lose the opportunity. Well, I think you just lead me perfectly into my next question, which is about leaders and connecting to the purpose of the company. Do you think it's possible to lead a company or even a team if you don't believe in the purpose of the organization? I think over time people will self-select out. You know, if, if you know, one thing is to say I'm not I'm not inspired by it. Another thing is to say I don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. And I think if you know, it'd be a horrible situation where somebody goes to work constantly that they don't believe in what the company is trying to do. And you would hope that they would, you know, over time find the place that they could be inspired mm-hmm. and that it would be a better fit. You know, there will be times when leaders need to focus on short-term uh, challenges. Um, Assuming that they believe in the purpose and the long-term vision, the bigger challenge I see from my experience is you've got to constantly balance short-term delivery and long-term direction about where you want to take the company and the employees to a better place for performance and impact. Mm. And you've got to find that balance to constantly bring both of those to the table at the right time, at the right level, because if you only focus on the future and folks will say, hey, we got to deliver numbers. Yeah. And if you only focus on the numbers, it, you're going to struggle to take the company and the team up to the next level to a better place for sustainable performance. So the leader's job is to really find 
a way to appropriately communicate and hold both of those deliverables and, and directions with the engagement of the employees and hopefully people that want to go down that path. Do you think um, in, in, when it comes to marginal decisions, should leaders lean towards purpose or should they lean more towards res uh, results is the wrong way of putting it, maybe sustainable performance over a long time with, or the next quarterly results? Which should yeah. you lean towards? Yeah, there's, there's. Um, I don't think there's an either or. I mean, yeah. the reality is you, you've got to do both. There's, there, the, the word is and. You know, you must do both. Um, and I think the values honestly play a big role because every company has a set of values, and you want to hold yourself and your employees accountable to those values, and you want to make sure that when you have a tough decision. You know, you, you would want it to be consistent with the values of the company for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's look about that sort of finding the organization's purpose. Um, a lot of people will, or leaders and CEOs out there, will have joined the company way after its founding. So how do you do it? What's the first steps? You talked about the first 100 days as a CEO. What's the first 100 days of, of finding an organization's purpose? Yeah, it, it really is different from company to company. And I think um, it also differs for, does a company already have a set of a, a purpose already in place? Mm. Um, does a company not have one in place? And those are two very different starting points. And what's interesting about the, uh, let's start with companies that already have a defined purpose. I think what often happens is that if there is a new M&A impact in that company, and if, and especially if it's material, mm. it may cause the company to rethink its purpose because it's looking at a, you know, evolving their business model and what they're doing. So, you know, you need to go back. And in the case of Syngenta, they realized that better food for better life was an excellent purpose for the history of the company and where it had come from. But after they realized the cost synergies of the uh, merger, mm. they realized in order to grow, if they were going to be a growth company, that they needed to expand and open up uh, the the plate of where they could actually play. And so senior leadership, it took them four years to get in after the original merger and acquisitions to rethink how do they really ignite growth. And once they started to um, intentionally get into that, they realized that they needed to relaunch the purpose of the company because the assets that they had could support a broader um, strategy. Mm. And, and I think in the case of um, a brand new company, again, I think it applies for a startup as much as it does for an evolved company. You, you never, um, if your company's been around for a while and even as a startup, you never discover um, the company's purpose. You, you uncover it, <laughs> you know, you go back to the foundation and, yeah. and, I think if you if you try to discover it anew after it's been around for a while, what that tells me is there really is something amiss with the foundation. And rather than trying to create something brand new and kind of throwing a dart at a moving dartboard, you got to really spend the time with the right leaders to look at the history uh, of the company, its its role in community, in society. Uh, the brands, the people, and really go back and um, try to uncover, you know, what what really was uh, relevant and meaningful in the past, 
and what may what might you need to take on in the future that makes it slightly different because times have changed. Where does the, the best information come from during this process? Should you be a magpie and just collect everything shiny? Should you be more focused? Um, I think you focus on people and leaders. Um, you know, I've seen this done where you, you know, you want to get a small, if you're trying to go out to, to figure out what is the purpose of a company, usually the leader, I mean, the CEO or the leader of the company has to be uh, championing this. And then usually what you see is that they they select a small group of employees that, again, from anywhere in the company that they believe understand the company, the past and the future. Um, they're articulate, uh, creative, not afraid to um, say what they think or be challenged, even if it's unpopular. Yeah. And you you get that group of people and the knowledge is largely in them. And then there's, you know, there's a certain process that, you know, multiple processes, people do this for consulting and do this well, but you then need to set up a process to help have sequential conversations so that people can step into that space and think it through together as a group. And it's kind of like you, you, you come in, you discuss, you figure out what the next question is, you go away, you think about it, you come back and you can define lots of different ways to do that in a short period of time or in a, you know, over more time. But my experience has been that small group will uncover the purpose and it will connect with the past and it will open up the future. Um, usually it's not done through massive research and reams of paper. You might give yeah. some background to people to come into the meeting or the discussion, um, but it's there. Just on, and I don't want to go through it because it's essentially workshops, workshops uh, and all the way yeah. through, but I don't want to go too much into the process. But that small group, is there a danger of um, almost self-selection, inherent bias of the CEO picks their five friends? You know, is is there a, a way that we should be getting an outside influence? Should we always get an outside person to challenge us or is it fine to actually just start internally and build out from there? I've seen that the best processes usually have an outside facilitator, mm. somebody that is a partner with the CEO that can um, be objective and help because the CEO, if the CEO is guiding the process, it will never work. Just like you said, they actually have to be on the circle with the team thinking this through and they have to check their ego at the door mm. and realize that they are part of the overall team versus driving um, and that facilitator, that outside facilitator, usually can play the role of guiding and pulling information and trying to get people to speak and communicate more effectively. If the if the CEO leads it on their own with no extra help, I think it's going to be very difficult. I think I think that's that's one tip. I, I'd ask you, do you have any other tips out there for listeners that you discovered about this process? You know, you, that you found it helpful to write it down, or you allocate a specific time each week? It's often yeah. small things. Yeah, the, the, the one that once you get into it and you figure out your cadence and your rhythm and which, you, which pieces of the puzzle you need to introduce over time, and it takes time, um, the biggest challenge is when do you communicate your purpose externally? And how do you make sure it doesn't become a tagline? You know, it, it, it shouldn't change like an advertising tagline. It shouldn't change every two years. Your purpose mm -hmm. should be there for your, for your company. It should be around for, you know, a very, very long time. And I think the biggest tip I would give is it has to be built from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And 
you'll know when you're ready when there is such pent up demand, confidence, inspiration, and excitement from your employees. Um, but my guess is on a big company that could take years. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Just before we leave this, the purpose when you've just uncovered it, as you say, it will feel natural, right? You you'll be yeah. able to apply it through a, a you get goosebumps. Go, yeah, actually, that makes works. Yeah, you get goosebumps. You know, you nailed it. Um, okay, let's go on to embedding purpose. We talked a little bit there about decision making and sort of purpose as an arbiter of decisions. Do you have any examples in your experience where purpose was the deciding factor in those sort of big, big decisions, strategic decisions? Well, the one I mentioned about Syngenta, you know, really the lawn and garden business unit that we created from multiple other separate entities could never have existed in a world where the old purpose for that company uh, flourished. Um, you know, and just, just the results in that business then, just a, how many people are working there now? What's the... Oh, Syngenta has gone through another acquisition a few years ago. But uh, when I was there, it was 30,000 employees, more or less. The business unit I led was about 1,000 folks. Um, we uh, we were able to continue, to continue to grow at double digits through the um, strategic analysis, the operations delivery, and then post-delivery continue to grow. Perfect. Um we talked a little bit about language and um, purpose statements are generally very aspirational and um, mm -hmm. a lot of people can find this off-putting and indeed yeah. uh, can become counterproductive when seen as hollow. You've sort of talked about that CEO as champion. What's the advice you have here? Yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. Um, you need to figure out how to operationalize that purpose and you need to figure out how do you connect it. So for me, Again, these things need to be taken over time. A smaller company might go through it quickly or faster, but the steps are still the same. Once you know the purpose and the values and you know where you're headed as a company, you then got to look and say operationally, what does this mean? And you need to give the operations leaders, the business unit leaders, the brand leaders a chance to say, how can my business or my brand now fit within this overall new purpose? What new things could I do differently? Um, the purpose really should be inspiring growth. It should be inspiring engagement. And so you need to help and give the employees time to go through an operations review process so that they can really apply their current business to the new purpose and connect those things and hopefully come up with new ideas and directions. Yeah, I love that operationalize the purpose. I think I think that's the, ru the running theme throughout this conversation. Um, Beyond that stuff sort of written down, as I said, the purpose statements, how should a leader communicate um, in terms of long-term sustainable embedding the purpose over time into, as you say, from a startup all the way up to a large company? Um, again, you've got to be consistent and you've got to measure um, the results of where you're headed and, and you've got to have a way to make it tangible. If Again, if you keep it too high level, people won't know what to do with it. So they'll go, oh, that's interesting. Now what do I do? Yeah. And that's that's the worst thing. You paralyze the company and then you ultimately become less credible. So this operation scorecard that I mentioned, I thought was a really excellent way for everybody to understand how do they contribute to these new directions and goals. Um, and and it, it, you know, the triple bottom line scorecard was something that the uh, FIFCO team created and that I inherited, it was a consistent tool throughout the entire company year on year. Strategies will shift and they should mm -hmm. shift, but 
that tool created a culture and it was that tool that made everybody connect. A lot of companies will have their performance in their annual report and then they'll have a separate CSR, corporate social responsibility report. And my really strong feeling is that that's no longer going to be acceptable going forward. You have to merge the social responsibility, the social and the environmental, and operationalize that really tangibly into the operations of the business. And when you do those things, everybody in the company thinks you're serious because mm-hmm. it's most likely tied to their bonus. <laughs> and then they they really start to see how you can leverage that for growth and get higher engagement and honestly attract better talent. Yeah, I was actually just going to ask you about engagement there because often, you know, we talk about transparency a lot nowadays. So a CEO present the figures and the only people that perk up are the salespeople because, as you say, the, the, yeah. their bonuses are linked to it. I presume just engagement goes through the roof when people in new par- parts of the business that had never been up on that board before are suddenly up yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, everybody has the opportunity to see where they fit, to tie their work to um, financial and the social and the environmental. And the social, what's interesting is, you know, we split this up into internal metrics and external metrics. The internal was really about your employee engagement. And the external was what what's the impact that your employees have in the communities and the footprints in which you operate. Mm. And so, again, by making it really clear about what we invest into, where we make impact in business and communities versus just donations, you get more intentional. And when you get more intentional and clear, everybody feels much more comfortable about what their contribution is. And that enables them to perform better. And what about those people that are just clearly not on board with the purpose of an organization? And, you know, I'm not saying that they're disruptive and they're getting the work done, but they just aren't enthusiastic about the stated purpose. It's almost the same question about that leader leading a company. Can a person work really well and grow within a company if they're just not connected with the purpose? Yeah, you know, I've I've been in so many meetings here. You're spot on. There's always three groups of people. There's the first group that loves what you're trying to do and is ready to go and they're going to run through walls. And they're out there going right away. There's another group that says, this sounds really interesting. Uh, I'm not sure about it. I'd like to see if this leader is going to hang around for a while before I move anything. And I, I'm going to wait. I put my hand up on that one, yeah. Yeah, and then and that's natural. And then there's the third group which just says, you know what? I just want to be here from nine to five. I need to do my work. And, you know, all three pieces of that puzzle are needed. You know, mm-hmm. you, 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 you can't. I think the most important thing for the leader is to recognize that those exist and you can't force anything. And that the most important piece is to be honest and authentic about what you're trying to do and to deliver both the short term and make sure people see where you're headed. Mm. And hopefully over time, when you're more consistent and you message that, you'll be able to increase engagement overall because that's the measure that counts. You know, how engaged is your employee base? And all three of those groups are in that employee engagement base and you can monitor that number. So you can check, you know, on a a regular basis through employee engagement surveys, how you're doing. And we all know that higher engaged workforces perform at a higher level Mm. and they have a higher trust. So essentially honesty and acceptance of different people will lead to higher trust, which will yeah, I think as a leader, you've got to meet the organization where it is. You you can't force it to go somewhere that it's not or doesn't want it to go. Mm. And if you don't pause to understand empathetically and on a human level of why people aren't moving, 
you know, it goes back to our very first point. If they don't understand the why, they're not going to move. Um, I loved what you said there about sort of accepting the different types of personalities in a company. I think if you went on and looked at the job specs out there, what you'll find is every company is looking for one single type of person, which is that first <laughs> category. Sure. So how can you hire for purpose? Should you hire for purpose? Um, people will lie in their interviews or stretch yeah. the truth and say they connect, but they don't. What's the advice here? You know, I think it's it's really the, the word everybody uses is fit, right? Mm. How do you, How do you find the best fit? And I think... You know, there's there's both the human side and then there is the performance side of, of that equation. And I think it really comes down, you know, can the person do the job? Yes or no. That's fairly straightforward. You, you can figure out through a process and through questionnaires and interviews and yeah. stuff. Do they fit to the values of the company, I think, is a really important piece of that puzzle. And purpose plays a role just as important as the values. You know, do they do they really subscribe? And people are getting smarter and smarter about how to do assessment tests at different levels about how people fit. Um, and I think we're going to see more and more of that in the future where uh, companies are going to have access to data um, much faster than ever before. And they're going to be able to assess people for fit with higher grader of certainty. Um, but they also have to realize that the the applicant is doing the same. And Gen Z, yeah. Gen Z is clearly saying, if you're not making a meaningful contribution to some of the world's biggest challenges, in addition to being great at what you do, I'm going to walk down the street and go somewhere else. And and just to leave this, uh, I, this can be a quick answer. Again, with those balance of people, uh, and this will probably only really apply for those big, big companies that are putting sort of AI processes into their hiring should they be looking for a greater diversity and people that may actually challenge their purpose when they go? Oh, yeah. Them? Yeah, no question. I mean, if, if a company is not able to help people have diversity of thinking and ability to challenge, you need, it is so clear the data show that more diverse groups, companies, teams produce better results over time, gender, ethnicity, uh, background, um, you know, race, or sexual uh, orientation all of that is so critical for companies to outperform they have to find a way to let everybody bring their voice to the table you could see though how uh not purpose necessarily but all these things could narrow down uh, oh, a, a yeah. search into yeah so you do have to broaden so i want to end where we started at the the conference in dublin um the conference at that conference purpose had been extended out from fulfilling an organization's purpose in the world to creating a better world through an organization's purpose. I think we've, we've been talking about that as well today. Um, it's often called dual purpose or higher, higher ambition leadership, essentially creating businesses, creating value for all stakeholders, including the wider society. What's your thoughts on this? Is, is that something you did before or is this something now you think is the next level to this? There's no question in my mind that that is where business is headed. Um, if you take a look, you know, Milton Friedman in the, 40, 50 years ago said that the sole purpose of a corporation was to maximize profit for its shareholders. And if you fast forward to 2019 in August, the business roundtable, which is the 181 largest companies in the U.S. in terms of industry uh, diversity, those leaders basically came back and said the role or the purpose of a company is now to take into effect all stakeholders and to maximize benefit for all stakeholders. 
And I think that is a recognition of the bigger complex issues in the world that we need to take on today from a social, a people, or an environmental uh, planet perspective are all coming closer and closely more connected. And the role people are expecting business and business leaders to contribute because it's very clear that the world, the largest access to resources comes through business. Mm. And that business actually can impact more resources than any other single contributor. And so if more businesses and business leaders take on this broader mindset of I can grow my performance and I can make a social and environmental impact at the same time. And as a result, I'll get rewarded for better brand loyalty. They realize that they can actually grow um, sustainably and outperform their peers. And I think this shift in this announcement from the business roundtable is opening up the door to saying that triple bottom line, you know, really driving this is going to be the way of the future. And I'll leave it with this. One of the best examples from the financial crisis of 2010 through today was uh, Paul Pullman at Unilever. And he just did an absolute brilliant job of championing that triple bottom line is absolutely possible. And that leaders have no trade-offs in this equation going forward. And his company almost tripled its performance and halved their environmental footprint. And he changed that company to one of the strongest, if not one of the top um, consumer goods companies in the world. And he did an amazing job to actually show live for 10 years. Mm. And I think um, you know more people, Patagonia is an amazing example, My, Microsoft has changed its purpose to now empowering people to do more, which has just totally opened up the potential of that company. And you see it. I mean, in Dublin, you can see that their new headquarters. So long story short, you know, I'm very passionate. I think we're going to see more companies realizing that they can do better by actually growing their profits and playing a role in society or in the environment in an ever increasing way. And, and final question: um, Do you think um, the pressure will come from the other the other way? Will society start orientating itself around purposeful companies? I actually saw France uh, introduced a law last year around requiring companies to have a purpose. It sounds kind of utopian. Do you think? Do you think that's the direction we're heading in? Well, you can see, like uh, Larry Fink from BlackRock, you know, one of the world's largest private equity firms, over a trillion dollars in assets. You know, in his annual letter, said to his CEOs and portfolio companies, "You can no longer come with a business plan. You now have to come with a business plan and a social mission. Mm. So don't show up in my, you know, annual presentations." So I, I think that governments and other stakeholders are going to hold businesses more and more accountable because. Business plays a huge impact in all aspects of society. And I think what we're going to see is that if, if companies don't take a broader look at all of their stakeholders, some of their stakeholders are going to make demands on them that are going to interrupt their operation freedom, operational freedom. Mm. And I think those companies that realize that they should map out what their stakeholders are looking for, seeing what their expectations are, and be proactive about understanding that and embedding it into their operations – they're going to build more partnerships. They're going to build better relationships and they're actually going to outperform their peers. Chris, I think that's a, a perfect way to leave it. Thanks so much. Fascinating conversation. I could have picked even any section and dived into them for an hour at least. Um, so I really do appreciate bringing your experience to the table. Yeah, thank you, Hugh. And really congratulations on all that you all are leading at IMI. <laughs>